Welcome everyone to our first episode of 420 Pod. I'm your host, Matthew Lundy. Seeing as this is our first episode, it gives me a great opportunity to tell you what we're all about and the kind of material we'll be covering on this show, what you can look forward to in future episodes. 420Pod is presented by the 420 Clinic, a medical cannabis resource center based in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Our first duty is to the medical patient. Information presented on this show is intended to help those in need navigate the medical cannabis system here in Canada, and also provide information on the healthy use and effects of cannabis. In fact, from my first interview, I was fortunate enough to sit down with our medical director here at 420 Clinic, Dr. Ife Abiola to discuss using cannabis in the treatment of arthritis. But besides looking at medical applications, we also expect to hammer down on some social and legislative aspects of cannabis here in Canada. As of July 1st, 2018, cannabis will be available to everyone in Canada over the legal age. So besides the medical aspects, we will be keeping a close eye on Canada's road to legalization as it happens. But for today's episode, we will be focusing on arthritis. I spoke with Dr. Abiola earlier this morning about rheumatoid versus osteoarthritis. Who is more likely to get it? And some of the pharmaceuticals currently being used to treat the symptoms of each. We then get into the side effects of current treatments and how cannabis can help us manage the symptoms of arthritis as an alternative to traditional medications. Next, we look at which terpenes arthritis patients are seeking out and which input methods, inhalation, or edibles arthritis patients prefer when using cannabis. A quick note on input method. At the time of this recording, the government of Canada has yet to schedule anything outside of dried flowers and cold-pressed oils. That means there is currently no legal avenue for cannabis creams or salves. But know that these options do exist, and they work for local effective relief of arthritis. I'm looking forward to the day when Canada's schedules concentrates edibles and creams to keep it out of the hands of the black market, one of the cornerstones of regulation in our country. So without further ado, here's my interview with Dr. Abiola discussing cannabis and arthritis. I'd now like to introduce our guest, mentioned him before, Ife Abiola. Say hi, Ife. Hello, how are you guys? Doing good, doing good this morning. Uh, so, thank you for having me on the inaugural uh, episode of the 420 Clinic podcast. It is a delight to be here. Thank you, thank you for spending some time with us. I know you're a busy man, so we'll get right to it. Do you just want to take a few minutes and introduce yourself, how you got interested in using cannabis as medicine? Uh, I am not personally interested in using cannabis as medicine, but many of the people who I work with, whether they're clients or patients, are. Uh, it starts off with my training. Uh, my training was based in interventional pain management, so uh, the use of different agents to counteract pain, whether that is the source of the pain or the perception of the pain. Uh, and because of this, I saw a lot of issues involving things like opiates, which have a lot of terrible side effects, uh, which let me uh, realize that there has to be some sort of alternative. And because of a lot of the legislation that was going on here in Canada and my return back, I decided to get involved with the promotion of medical cannabis for the relief of pain. That's a good place to start with the legislation because currently the government does allow medical patients to use cannabis to treat arthritis. They right? certainly and do. A yep. year, year from now, everyone is going to have the option 
to use cannabis in some way to treat many medical conditions. Today we're talking about arthritis, so let's just dive right in. What are the symptoms of arthritis and how is it currently treated? Okay, now that depends on what you mean by arthritis, because there are many different forms of arthritis, whether it's rheumatoid or osteo. Yeah, in the clinic right now, uh, we see the majority of them being rheumatoid and osteoarthritis. So now, just want to do a quick breakdown of... Uh, uh, so the first one would be rheumatoid arthritis. And rheumatoid arthritis is an uh, autoimmune issue more than anything. Uh, so the body is essentially attacking its own joints, which causes inflammation of those joints. Here's a tip for anyone that doesn't have any medical background. Anything that ends in itis is generally inflammatory. So let's say uh, somebody is in their uh, 40s, 50s, 60s, generally female, they have a higher propensity to get rheumatoid arthritis. So you'll have uh, inflammation of those joints uh, and of the joint spaces. They call that a synovium, uh, which causes things like pain and stiffness, particularly in the morning. And it's actually relieved by movement a lot of the time. Uh, so they have a lot of pain and swelling. Uh, they have uh, the joint uh, becoming more broad, becoming more thick, and having decreased range of motion in said joint. And it also tends to be uh, bilateral, if anything, because this is an autoimmune issue and the body does not discriminate in what it attacks. So it tends to be in both hands rather than one or in both knees or both hips or both shoulders rather than one. Also, people with an, a an HLA D uh, D4 subtype, uh, it's a... Uh, it's a serotype. I don't want to get too complicated okay. here. Uh, they tend to have a higher risk of uh, having something like rheumatoid arthritis. Now, this is uh, in contrast to osteoarthritis, okay. which generally is wear and tear. So think of rheumatoid arthritis as autoimmune, osteoarthritis as wear and tear, and often uh, it's based on things like injuries, seen in people who are overweight or obese. Uh, it, it also tends to wear away at things like the cartilage or the uh, meniscus of the knee, uh, and it tends to be unilateral. So where we saw in rheumatoid arthritis that it's bilateral in both joints, symmetrical, this tends to be one or the other. So injuries can cause it, wear and tear can cause it, and it doesn't discriminate by age as opposed to rheumatoid arthritis, which generally attacks people in their mid-age. So is there a difference to how these are treated? Almost oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, there is some overlap. Uh, let's start off with rheumatoid arthritis, the one that's autoimmune. Of course, you can use immunomodulators for it. So we end up using things like TNF drugs, also methotrexate can also be used uh, with great effect. Uh, even things like corticosteroid injections. You may have heard of a lot of people having uh, arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, and getting steroid injections into a lot of major joints. Mm -hmm. uh, so it can also be used in that way. Uh, sulfasalazine can be used, and the main one is uh, NSAIDs, so non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs can be used. Because again, Again, the pathogenesis of this is inflammatory, and it's gotcha. an itis. So, uh, as opposed to osteoarthritis, which can be uh, treated by NSAIDs, again, uh, those same things, and also corticosteroid in, uh, injections. Um, you can also have things like uh, uh, joint replacement a lot of the time in those cases. Uh, with osteoarthritis, it's kind of interesting because you see like a lot of uh, joint mice, uh, bone spurs within the joint capsule, because there's a, a very significant narrowing of that joint capsule at hmm. the same time. Uh, so a lot of it can be surgical intervention or just anti-inflammatories in that case. But with rheumatoid, a lot of it is immunomodulators. Gotcha. So but these options, what is the wear and tear that they have on the body? Like, why would people be looking to use anything else to treat arthritis at this point in time? Okay, so like, what are the side effects or adverse right, effects of, right. of those things? Yeah. Okay, uh, let's start off with uh, NSAIDs. NSAIDs can be horrendous on the digestive system. 
So things like stomach ulcers, duodenal ulcers uh, can happen because of this. It's also very, very taxing on liver. Uh, and, and again, with rheumatoid arthritis, you see it often in elderly patients which already have a lot of digestive issues or issues involving liver function. Uh, so this is one of the main side effects of using something like that. Uh, another one of the drugs that I had mentioned was corticosteroids. Mm -hmm. uh, corticosteroids are awful to put it lightly. Uh, they cause things like water retention. They can change the shape of your face even. They can cause like a moon face type of uh, fat distribution. It can also lead to things like bone loss. So let's go back to who gets rheumatoid arthritis. Okay. It's generally people who are in their middle age or elderly. Okay. They need to conserve as much uh, bone mass as they possibly can. Gotcha. But using something like a steroid will cause a decrease in the amount of bone that they have. Okay. So this is where it gets really complicated. It can actually lead to more things like osteoporosis or fractures and things like that. Okay. It can also cause issues involving muscle wasting in the extremities. So like if somebody is using corticosteroids, let's say they could have a very uh, thick abdomen uh, and then very, very thin legs. I, I, I can imagine, especially after you comp compound using these pharmaceuticals for so long, mm -hmm. the issues would only exponentially increase, right? The more you, the more you use them, to sure. these things, right? Yep. So now let's get to cannabis. How can cannabis help in the fight against arthritis? Okay. Now, I, I'm going to hammer on this again. Anything that ends in itis is inflammatory. Let's start off with CBD. Now, CBD okay. can help in two different ways. First is just attacking the general issues involving inflammation. Uh, so the uh, hypertrophy of the joint space and rheumatoid arthritis, it can help with that. Also, pain and stiffness. One of the great benefits of CBD is increased range of motion. That can happen there. So it'll help somebody who has rheumatoid arthritis to loosen up in the morning by using just a little bit of CBD. Um, to move on to osteoarthritis in respect to CBD, people with osteoarthritis often have it in weight-bearing joints. So let's look at like knees and hips, right? As a result of this, the pain uh, and the uh, decreased motion in those areas can lead to things like muscle spasms. CBD is excellent in decreasing incidence of muscle spasm. Right. So in both of these respects, it can help. Right. Uh, let's move on to THC as well. Right. Uh, and I'm going to stay on osteoarthritis in okay. this case. Osteoarthritis can also affect the lumbar spine. So like degenerative disc disease. Mm -hmm. This can cause compression of certain nerve roots, okay. which is neuropathic pain. THC is excellent in dealing with neuropathic pain. Right. So if somebody was having just inflammation, using CBD would be advantageous. If mm -hmm. someone had inflammation because of the arthritis and then also nerve involvement, then they could use THC as well. So we talked about... Cannabinoids. Obviously, different strains have different cannabinoid breakdowns. Mm -hmm. What strains would you recommend for someone who's trying to combat arthritis? Like strains in particular, like from this company? Because or, I've, I've, I even, if we could divulge uh, a, a little bit of my own personal opinion, the concept of strains, I think, is ridiculous when it comes to cannabis. You have terpene profiles and you have THC and CBD levels. To say this is a strain is kind of like the way people talk about species now. and It doesn't really mean anything. It's just... But oftentimes it's just proprietary. But when you run that that plant through mm -hmm. an analyzer, so you actually you can get a cannabinoid breakdown. Sure. Right. And you're right. It's not a strain is a pretty loose term. It's extremely loose. The bottom term. of the plant is going to test different than the top of the plant, right? Mm -hmm. So let's maybe get a little more specific. Mm -hmm. What terpenes? Okay. Would you? would you aim for uh -huh. in treating arthritis? So if someone out there is interested in uh, terpene profiles, terpenology, all that kind of stuff, what you would really want to look for uh, is something high in beta-carophyllin. Beta-carophyllin actually will respond to CB2 receptors, which is the same receptors that CBD 
can attach to. Now, because of this, you're going to get a greater anti-inflammatory profile in that specific uh, strain of cannabis. So if you see something with a high beta-carophyllin level, that'd probably be advantageous if you have anything involving arthritis. Now, aside from that, you'd probably want a balance of THC and CBD if you're having nerve involvement, uh, inflammation, and also muscle spasms. If, if it's just uh, inflammation, you can just go with CBD. How, how do you see arthritis patients are preferring to use cannabis? Um, inhaling, mm -hmm. ingesting, or topical? That's a great question. Uh, the majority of the patients who come with arthritis tend to be over 50 that we see. And many of them are horrified of the concept of smoking anything. Many of them prefer to take it as an oil for a couple of reasons. One, because they need a long duration. So they're going to go with what the longest duration possible, that being oils. Uh, if someone has an issue involving things like muscle spasms, though, they often try to shy away from using an oil just because of the duration it takes to take effect. And they need the muscle spasm to cease right away. So many of them actually prefer using an inhaled product that has an equal amount of THC and CBD in that case. How, how do you see people like who want to talk to their doctors about using cannabis? What mm. advice would you give to those people? I would say be respectful of your doctor. Your doctor is always looking out for your best interests. Um, and of course, every doctor doesn't know everything about everything forever. Uh, so just be patient. Uh, I would say if they're not uh, into it, uh, then I would try to go with a resource center that can connect you with a, a physician who could get you uh, what you would you would need in this case but right. again be patient don't don't badger your doctor uh, don't try to uh, undercut them just because they're not a fan of cannabis uh, just be very patient with them and respect their decision but if you need to find another one go for it and just to kind of wrap things up here have you found that being a doctor yourself have you found your peers have had a little more Willingness to um, digest information about how cannabis can mm -hmm. can um, help health issues. I have never met a doctor that was unwilling to look into something that was presented in a a scientific, uh, clinical, peer reviewed way. It's been very, very rare that I've seen that. Most doctors are very open to anything. Will they participate in it or will they um, recommend it or offer it to their patients? Not necessarily. But every doctor is willing to look at evidence if the evidence is there. And I think it's just going to happen with time. It's the same thing with alcohol. You'd never meet a doctor who didn't know how to handle alcohol. Now that cannabis is becoming more ubiquitous and more available, mm -hmm. doctors will need to know how to approach the substance and everything to do with it. So I think the need for more information is steadily increasing. Sure. And I think because of this demand, it's actually led more universities and more different groups to be doing a lot of these clinical trials on cannabis for certain issues. Uh, I tend to collect them. I have a little database on my computer, but uh, it's growing every day. Uh, the frequency that they're coming out has increased by quite a bit. And it's because of that demand. People want to know, you know, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence, which is fine, but anecdotal evidence uh, is not going to convince a doctor of anything. You need actual hard evidence. You need clinical trials and you need studies and you need data. And this is what's really helping it. It's the demand. And a lot of it is from the doctors and a lot of it is from the patients. Unfortunately, we've seen anecdotal evidence wasn't mounts enough. There is a call for studies like um, PTSD is a great example in the States. There's so much anecdotal evidence or even, um, you know, treating seizures with CB. There's so much anecdotal evidence that right. it finally comes to the point where you say, we have to do a study on this. Sure. Right? And we have to quantify this. Yeah. There was that recent PTSD study. I think it may have been even in McGill 
So it may have been a Canadian study, but it, it showed a 75% reduction of uh, PTSD symptoms with just 10 milligrams of orally ingested TAC. Like just stuff like that is very simple. It's very easy to do. And the results are always very dramatic. So uh, I'm, I'm optimistic that in the future, we're going to have a lot more of these studies coming out. Yeah, absolutely. I could love to see a study like that on arthritis. Oh, there's, you know, there's, there's so many. There's so, so many for arthritis. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Well, I'm glad that we have that information available. Mm-hmm. And I think that's everything I wanted to touch on. This is kind of our, our first episode, kind of getting a feel for things. That's everything? You don't need anything yeah. else for me? Um, I, I think uh, <laughs> I've asked all the questions I want to. Is there anything that you'd like to add, um, just kind of overarching on arthritis and how you, how you see cannabis fitting in the big picture? Sure. I think with any uh, uh, disease, any syndrome, any battery of symptoms, you have to look at the symptoms separately. Uh, I'm not a fan of people going, oh yeah, cannabis can help X. It can help this disease, it can help that disease. No, it can help the symptoms of certain ones. Let's say somebody had arthritis, but for some reason they didn't have pain and stiffness. Someone jumping in and going, oh, you should use CBD, has no idea what they're talking about. Because they've made that one patient's issues, everyone's issues, it doesn't work that way. You have to target specific symptoms. And as long as we're able to understand this, that's the way it should be done. Uh, I also have a saying that everyone who uh, smokes a joint feels that they're an expert, like they know exactly what to do with this. No, they don't. It's a lot more complicated than that. This should be something that's based exactly in the symptoms of the patient. So if you get me on for another one, I'm going to repeat that because that's essential. But it has to do with what symptoms the patient is feeling at the time. Well, that's absolutely going to happen. We'd be happy to have you again. And I'd be happy to become a regular guest. Be happy to keep keep ranting about <laughs> about stuff using terms I can't get into. Well, it's too complicated. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Thank you for joining us. No, thank today. you for having me. That was my interview with 420 Clinics Medical Director Dr. Ife Abiola on cannabis and arthritis. Thanks for joining us today on 420 Pod. If you'd like to learn more about the 420 Clinic, you can visit us online at 420clinic.ca or subscribe to our social media feeds. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. For media inquiries, contact Amber at 420clinic.ca. For us here at the 420 Clinic, this is Matthew Lundy signing off.